0: I want you to understand this, our plow, our plan B, what we think is keeping us so secure and stable is never security or stability. Your security and stability lie solely in God himself.
1: It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show.
0: Let's go! Hey, hey guys, it is your girl Autumn Miles. I am so, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be with you. I'm so happy to be here. I am really happy to be done with Job, although I love my boy Job, and I'll probably write a book about Job one day, who knows. I'm glad to have completed that series. As I told you last week, your girl had to pay for preaching about Job, and you know what? If you ask a lot of preachers and communicators and stuff like that, they all have to. It's like the enemy does not want the hope of Job to get out, so... Take that, enemy, because we talked about it for six weeks. (laughs) So we are back. I have a super fresh message for you, and I am very fired up about it. As a matter of fact, while I was praying earlier, God gave me about six points, none of which are on my outline. So (laughs) let's see how this is going to go. It's going to go really good after the break. Thank you guys for listening. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. I love you. I just love you out there. I am so grateful that every single week you click listen to this show right here. And um, that tells me that God is using this show and that is why we do what we do. So thank you so much. I want to hear from you. I was reminded this weekend of the, oh my goodness, Oh, I thought I just I thought I just erased all my notes, but I did it, guys. they're here. They're here. I got them on my phone, and you know you click a button and everything goes away. Um, I was reminded this weekend of the miracles of God, and I was reminded of how so many miracles that God has done for me personally. And I I know that there are miracles out there. And I'm talking like I was going to die, but God saved my life. I was going broke, and God gave me X. Uh, My child was diagnosed, and now there's nothing. I want to hear miracles. Wouldn't it be great if we just did, like, a couple of shows just on miracles amongst us? Ooh. That just came to my head right now. I think that would be cool. Send me your miracle stories. I know we've got the What's God Doing in Your Life segment, and I love that. I've got a great testimony today. But let's talk about the miracles amongst us. They're there. We all have them. In the midst of everything that's going on in the world right now, we need prayer. And we need to be reminded that God is still a God who parts Red Seas. Okay? So send them to me. Send me at uh, helloautomaz.com. DM me stuff. A lot of you guys have been DMing me your uh, messages and your stories and questions and stuff like that. And so keep them coming. Also, follow us along. And also, share. Share this out to your people, guys. Share it out to your people, okay? We want the word to get out if it's something that you think it's super shareable. I mean, everything is shareable these days. I share about 100 memes a day. so (laughs) Share it out, you guys, to people that need it. And we love, love, love your support, okay? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So what's, happening in my life I want to listen I've been a mom for a long time as a matter of fact my daughter is now officially 18 so I mean I consider the gestational period motherhood as well so I've been a mom you know pushing 19 years here but Saturday can I just be human is it okay to be human I've been a mom for a long time and when uh, years ago when my kids were, when my older kids were little, I realized I can't, I will never be the like the president of the PTA. I just can't allot time for that. And let me just say this: I am obsessed with our PTA at our school. <laughs> they make Christmas parties better, they make Valentine's Day parties better, they make teacher appreciation week better. But I knew early on the commitment it required. I was never going to be able to do it because I have four active kids. My kids are out doing stuff all the time. Like all the things. As a matter of fact, someone came to our house last night and they said, do you have a volleyball? And I said, I think that's the one sport we don't play. So I don't know. We have 45 footballs. We have lots of basketballs. We have so many baseballs. It's ridiculous. And we do got a lot of ping pong balls. But volleyball, I don't think we have one. So my kids are super, super active. They are doing everything. They are in everything. I am running them around everywhere. And that's the way we like it over here. That plus working a full-time job and traveling and writing and all of those things, I don't have the capacity to devote to giving extra time to stuff like that. So, and it came about on Saturday where it was real, real, real obvious, okay? I've been a mom for a long time. I knew early on I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to do my best but I'm not going to be perfect. (laughs) My husband had to work on Saturday. He is working. We have a Saturday night service and he works like the whole Saturday night, Sunday morning, the services over there as well on staff at our church. And so I'm like single mom in it. Okay. And Saturday was crazy because my son had a game on Friday. My daughter had pictures after their games, Moses and Haven both had a game. Uh, grace had pictures after the games sunday i go to church with my kids and my daughter had her 18th birthday party okay so my weekend was not you know lay on the couch and watch netflix that's just not how i roll i knew getting moses and haven and all of their gear can i get an amen mom all of their gear why do we have so much gear for our kids it's so crazy do you have the red sock do you have the pink socks do you have the this band do you have the that oh my goodness I knew it was going to be a challenge because Eddie typically takes care of Moses with the football stuff because I don't play football and I don't know know what they need you need a helmet you need pads you need clothes and but there's other stuff that they need a mouthpiece you know all the things so I knew it was going to be a challenge I showed up to the game late because I did. Period. <laughs> and guess what? If you're not there an hour early and they're eight, it's really okay, okay? It's, no, no, you don't want to do that all the time. You don't want to be disrespectful, but I couldn't. With everything on my plate, I could not make it. You know why? Because we couldn't find a pink sock. So I'm showing up late. Um, Moses didn't have his shoes tied. We paid, I had to pay to get in because I'm a parent. So I got to pay my $5. And then I'm like, Moses, sit on the ground right here. I'm tying your shoe. I'm tying the shoe. The coaches are, I feel like they're not. But you know how you feel judged because you're like, You know, I'm like, Moses, go over there with your team. You know, whatever, whatever. I realized that all the cheerleaders have tattoos on. And it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we're super big uh, into supporting that because my mom had breast cancer and my grandma had breast cancer. So we're all about the pink. All right. But Haven was supposed to wear a tattoo on her left cheek. Where did she put them? On her arms. All the other cheerleaders had the tattoos on their left cheek, except my kid. So I show up and I'm like, coach, I'm so sorry. We've got the tattoos. They're just in the wrong place because I didn't read the text or I read it too late. She already had the tattoos on. Okay. So there's one problem. One of the moms says, hey, I got an extra tattoo. God bless her heart. Please. It's okay. And I'm thinking, okay, great. I look at my son, who is far off the field about to play, and he doesn't have on pink socks. All the other players do. And there's another mom, and she's like, Autumn, Moses doesn't have pink socks. I have an extra pair of pink socks. I go on the field. And I take his shoes off. I take his socks off and I put the pink socks on him. Everyone sees how imperfect of a parent I am at this point. I am a flawed. Okay. He didn't have pink socks. All right. And I go and I sit down and I'm like, you know me, you know, I've known these people for a long time now. Cause we, we just, you know, you just know people when your kids are constantly around them, you just get to know all the parents and everything. And We're laughing and, you know, they're jabbing at me a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? I think it's okay, guys. I think it's okay. (laughs) We were late. We didn't have what we needed. We had two tattoos on the wrong arm. And I want to say, sometimes your best is never going to meet that mark of perfection. And you know what my kids cared about? Not the fact that they had pink socks on, not the fact that the tattoo or whatever. They cared that I showed up that I was in the stands that I screamed as loud as I could for them. Every time Haven does a cheer, she turns around and looks at me for my approval and I wave at her. That is the most important thing. And thank God, because I think if it was earlier in my motherhood, I would be freaking out because everyone would know that I'm, you know, I just had one of those days. So mom out there, when you feel as if man, I really missed the mark. Guess what? Whose mark are you missing? (laughs) Whose mark are you missing? Are you missing the individual mark that you've set for yourself that no one else holds you to that standard? Are you missing the mark of God? Are you missing the mark of your kids? Whose mark are you missing? Because after the game, Haven ran up to me, hugged me. Moses had a rough game. And he came, who did he come to? Came right over to me and I hugged him and I looked him dead in the eyes. And I said, I'm so proud of you. And it changed his entire demeanor. Whose mark are you missing? Okay. Because the socks don't matter. The character and you showing up and you being present, that matters. You're not going to always get it right every time, but that's okay. That's what grace is for. So that's what's happening in my life. Hopefully this week it'll be better because Eddie doesn't have to work. (laughs) So he'll take care of Moses. Okay, God bless ya. God bless you, folks. I'll be back right after the break for an amazing message that I am super fired, pumped up about. You're going to love it.
1: I'll see you in a second. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X-Y-Z-A, yeah.
2: What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve, rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse, and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com.
1: Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X-Y-Z-A, yeah.
0: Okay, guys, we're back. I'm super obsessed with what I'm talking about today. You're going to love it. I think it's going to be convicting for you, but (laughs) that's okay. Because it also convicted me. And it's going to be good. I want to start off with this verse before I get into anything. We all know it. We all know it. But I'm going to start with this verse and I'm going to end with this verse. But seek ye first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I talk about that today because I'm going to talk about my friend Elisha. I haven't talked about him in years, I don't think. Maybe touched on him here and there, but nothing like I'm going to talk about today. We are in a society right now who can control and come up with a plan B. We're in a world right now where if plan A, following God, doing what God wants us to do, doesn't work out, typically we can find a plan B of some sort. If this marriage doesn't work out, well, we got divorced and divorce is widely accepted in the society. I have been divorced for biblical reasons, but now, even when I got divorced 20 years ago, it was, I was shunned from my church. I was kicked out. Now it's very, very different in society. If following the scripture doesn't work out, I could just fall back into my old habit. If the ministry or the call of God on my life gets too hard. Well, I could just fall into whatever I did to provide. And my challenge to you today is seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. I want to read this passage out of First Kings. I think it's an important passage in I really do believe this is a timely message where we want to follow God. Our heart is to follow God, but we've got a safety net our heart is to do the call of God on our life. But I am here to tell you that what God has called you to do is going to challenge every single insecurity that you have. It will look like a bunch of closed doors. You will have to rely on God to make a way and not on yourself to make a way. the call of God on your life will be harder than anything you've ever experienced whatsoever, because we're not just up against the call of God. We're up against the enemy who doesn't want to achieve it. We've got a lot of plan B's out there. We've got a lot of safety nets out there. If I can't figure it out, I'll Google it. If I I can't get this food this fast, I'll go to this place. Uh, We have so many options out there and the options out there and the safety nets out there and the plan B's out there are keeping us from the plan A, the call of God on our life that he wants us to execute because he knows that all these things will be added Unto us when we seek him first. I told my son this the other day. We're really working on Moses and Haven with this one thing. Face it. Face it. What are you arguing about? Face it. What's the challenge? Because Haven and Moses are arguing right now. That's just the way it is. It's parenting. If your kids argue, guess what? They all do, okay? You're not weird. Your kid's not whatever. People argue. (laughs) Kids argue. Grace and Jude argue too. Grace argues with Moses. Jude argues with Haven. It's just part of it. Face it. Conflict is part of life. But you know what? They want to come to mom who immediately will settle the conflict. Well, if I just go to mom, mom will tell Moses to give me the toy and then it'll stop. Well, if I just go to mom, mom will tell Haven to stop yelling at me and the conflict will stop. What does that teach them if I am constantly their safety net? It does not teach them to figure it out themselves. We're teaching them, handle your emotions. Now, there are times, obviously, we've raised two older kids, I understand the balance there. But when things are out of balance and they have big emotions and they they are just letting them fly. We need them to handle the emotion themselves so we're teaching them what it's like to rely on the brains that god has given them the maturity that they have at the age of eight and also which i know is like kind of an oxymoron maturity at the age of eight but we don't give our kids enough credit moses is a genius haven is an intellectual genius we coddle them when they are so incredibly smart if moses knows 200 different species of fish and how to catch them all don't you think i can say handle this big emotion. What can you do to do that? And he can do it. Absolutely he can, because he is smart and God's given him a brilliant mind. The plan B of mom will figure it out is so much easier than figuring out between the two of them. I want to call us back to that plan A in your life. I want to read this passage of scripture, um, 1 Kings 19. Now, Elijah had just wanted to die. He had just been under the juniper tree. He had just been mad at God, the whole thing. God came out and he was. there was a gentle blowing and the, the God came out to talk to Elijah. And God told Elijah multiple things in the beginning of 1 Kings 19. This is one of the things that he told the great prophet Elijah. He said this, um, let me pick it up in verse 15. Go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael king over Aram. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. And then he said this, And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mehello, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Okay, Elijah. Okay, God says, I get it. You've brought me some concerns. I'm going to give you some ways to meet those concerns. Let's anoint these kings, and then I want you to anoint your successor. Okay? Elijah was at a point where he needed... he needed a little human interaction. Okay. He needed a little Elisha. He needed a little, you know, Moses and Joshua. He needed a little David and Jonathan. He needed a little buddy. All right. And mentally he was spent. Verse 17, it shall come about the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall be put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. Now, I'm going to skip down to verse 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th and Elijah, prophet Elijah, passed over to him, Elisha, and threw his mantle on him, signifying your anointed is my successor. Verse 20, he, Elisha, left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother. Then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again. For what have I done to you? Verse 21. So Elisha, he returned from following him took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them. He boiled their flesh with the implements or instruments or the plow of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. I am struck by this because of many different reasons. It's really hit me. In the last couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, I was getting my hair done and the lady who does my hair mentioned this passage. Eddie had mentioned this passage of scripture to me recently. Amanda is the one who chose this outline this morning for us to to go over. And I was I I was almost in tears when she said it because I just said, Yes, God is working in so many different ways about burning the plow to me getting rid of that plan B stop trying to figure out if God doesn't come through stop trying to figure out on your own what you can do if he doesn't I had a situation over the weekend where I was praying through something and I could have figured it out myself can I just be that bold I could have figured it out myself. And I was starting to put a plan together in my own mind because that's how my mind thinks. Well, okay, there's a problem. Okay, let me get five different ways where we can solve this problem. I could have figured it out myself. And I was working on figuring it out myself. And the Lord said, really? <laughs> kind of like, that's your plan. <laughs> and I was thinking I was doing the- I I was using my brain. I was using the resource God gave me. And he kind of, not in a condescending way, but he was like, Let me do this for you. Just wait. Just wait. You guys, in 12 hours, 12, like I was, that was in the evening. And then the morning came, I got a text message. That was an option that I had never even realized was an option that God provided. That was way better than what I was putting together the night before. Rather than me saying, God, I depend on you. God, I'm looking for you. God, I'm looking to what you want me to do. I was focused on, well, if God doesn't come through, (laughs) I got this option. I got, I'm plan B in it. That's why this passage is so good. God is always the best option. Your plan B will pale in comparison to his plan A, Every single time. So it's better to wait on God's plan A every single time than have a plan B, C, D, E, F waiting in the wings. Because our faith gets challenged when plan A takes a while. Our faith gets challenged when plan A is hard. Our faith takes a beating. And we start thinking, did we get it wrong? We're supposed to be going to plan B. What are we doing? And it's so easy to go to the other different options that we have put together in our minds that we miss out on the all these things will be added unto you because we did it our way. Here we have... Elijah. Now, Elijah, he's, you know, he's not warm and fuzzy, all right? Elijah, he's not going to be like Santa Claus. Like, he's he's a little prickly. He's a prickly guy. He goes, but God, God said, okay, I want you to anoint your successor, so go do it. Like, you know, this is going to help you go do it. Uh, verse 19, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Now, I want to just go over a couple of things for you that I think is just so Amazing about this one verse. He departed from there, found Elisha the son of Shaphat while he was plowing with twelve pairs of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. He found Elisha while he was plowing, and Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. He found. Elisha. While he was what? Plowing. Working. Successful. Doing what was in front of him. Being faithful. He found him in a field plowing. (laughs) Now I grew up in Indiana. And I'm telling you, you you drive by the cornfields. I'm about to go home to Indiana. But you find in the cornfields, you can see a guy out, like in the, like harvesting the, gra- the corn or whatever. You don't know who that guy is. You have no clue who that guy is. I mean, I'm sure he's like the farmer that lives on the land. But he is an obscure, you know, the fields, when you think of a field, they're a huge acreage of land, right? Elisha was plowing in the middle of a field. So he departed from there and found the son of Shaphat while he was plowing while he was plowing with the 12 pairs of oxen before him, which means Elijah knew where to find him. I think of this uh, so often whenever it comes to me, when I think of where God is asking me to go and what the call that God has on my life. God, am I going to miss it? You know, here I am, you know, in my studio, blah, blah, blah. Or here I am at a game. My kid's needing pink socks. Here I am showing up, being faithful. I'm ready when you are. Do you see me? Guess what? Elisha was plowing in the middle of a field. And Elijah, God divinely gave Elijah the GPS to where Elisha was. And he walked right up to him and he took his mantle and he threw it on him. God knows exactly where to find you, even if you are in the most obscure, weird, crazy, strange, far off, no one else would know place. God knows exactly where you are. And when the opportunity is right for you to take on a new mantle, he will find you. We get it wrong so often. I got to find this. I got to find God's will for my life. I got to find this. All you got to do is stand and be willing. God knows the GPS to exactly where you are exactly what your heart looks like, exactly what your uh, life looks like. He knows when, he knows where, and he knows who you are in order to throw that mantle on you and say, saddle up, buttercup, it's time to go. God led Elijah to the middle of a field to find my boy, Elisha, and threw it right on him. Elijah had to travel to get to him. So he departed from there and found Elisha. He had to go find him. God sends people in your path. They might not even know they're looking for you. Now Elijah knew that he was looking for a very specific person, Elisha. God sends people your way in order to show you what the next plan A for your life is. And he was plowing. Now, I love that he was plowing because it says a lot about him. The plow here shows us several things. Elisha wasn't lazy. He wasn't waiting to go viral. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't, you know, waiting to have some successful. He wasn't sitting around waiting for management. Which, I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but he wasn't inactive begging God for something that he wasn't willing to do the lesser of. He was working. He was faithful. He was already plowing. He was about to feed one of the greatest prophets of all time. Obviously, he had a double portion eventually of Elijah's anointing and was able to do amazing things because of that. None of which he had in this moment. He was plowing. Now, the fact that he had a plow, the fact that he had 12 pairs of oxen meant he probably was financially successful, okay? Because he was plowing somebody's field. He was able to provide for himself. In that day, the plow was security, in that day the plow was a sense of stability for him and his family and everyone around him his ability to work you know you look in the new testament you see you know the people that are blind and you know all that kind of stuff he was able to work and he was able to plow and he had a skill that would provide so when elijah found him he was already Working. I absolutely loved about them because the plow, the fact that he was plowing, proved that the plan A that God had put on his life would be prosperous. I believe that God is looking for people with this quality willingness and faithfulness. I believe that that is to the Lord so much greater than some of the stuff that society attributes importance to. It showed that Elisha was a guy who could work hard, who shows up. I mean, plowing a field with oxen, hard work. The plow, I believe, proved that God's plan would be prosperous. God knew where he was plowing. God knew that because he was plowing, his plan would be prosperous. And all of a sudden, Elijah shows up. In one instance, one instant. You know Elisha saw Elijah coming from a far away. He's probably like, who's that weirdo guy with the giant mantle? <laughs> he's coming at me, what's he gonna say to me? <laughs> he's walking, he's plowing, he's been faithful. He's got his stability and security. No doubt God had blessed him. But in one instant, he gets a mantle thrown on him from the greatest prophet who was very well known. And he left 20, verse 20, the oxen and ran after Elijah. And this is what he said. Please let me kiss my father and mother. Then I will follow you. Elijah didn't say anything to him. (laughs) he didn't say here's my mantle congratulations there wasn't a crown there wasn't a ceremony there wasn't a trophy there wasn't a you know parent night there was nothing like that it was a mantle thrown elijah keeps walking because he is so gangster he is just walking along i guess believing that elisha would know exactly what the mantle (laughs) meds because Elisha had to leave his oxen and run after him he left and ran after Elijah and said let me kiss my father and mother then I will follow you this is not what Elisha said what does this mean I'm gonna have to confirm 15 different ways from God if this is actually you I mean Can I keep my side hustle and do this? No, there's nothing wrong with a side hustle. I'm just saying. I'm telling you what he didn't say. I mean, Elijah, I have some questions. I would like, what is the job description of, you know, your job? Because the mantle, that would be a big thing. I mean, I would have had so many questions, which is why I wasn't plowing the field and the mantle wasn't thrown on me. Elijah, excuse me, Elijah, I know I just got your mantle, but I mean, like, are we talking about now? Are we talking about 10 years? Like, I got some stuff to do. You know, I want to make some, go, to, go on some trips. I want to go to, you know, to Branson. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been to Branson. I mean, I just, you know, is this now. I'm really, I'm really doing good with the whole, this whole plow thing. He didn't say that. He said, please let me kiss my father and mother, then I will follow you. All he wanted to do was kiss his mama, (laughs) then I will follow you. And he said to him, uh, Elijah said, go back again, for what have I done to you? Elijah, super prickly, okay? He's like, not a warm dude. So, Elisha returned from following him, and this is what he did. He took the pair of oxen, sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Isn't that cool? He arose, he followed Elijah and ministered to him. He recognized, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. He took the oxen, the safety net, the thing that he continually could go back to, the thing that kept him financially secure, financially stable, probably well to do. He was able to feed a bunch of people because of it. He took the very thing that was stability and realized when it comes to answering the call of God on my life or not. If I don't, this thing is actually insecurity and instability. I want you to understand this. Our plow, our plan B, what we think is keeping us so secure and stable is never security or stability. Your security and stability lie solely in God himself. And Elisha knew that. He had wisdom beyond when he said, I understand that this mantle that Elijah just threw on me is going to cause me to wonder if I actually want it because the mantle is heavy. So I'm going to completely destroy my plan B so I am not tempted by the devil to go back. This just... I wish I had you guys in front of me so I could be like, who's this ministering to? Because that's what I do whenever I travel. Who's, that? Who's, this? who's this helping out there? And people are like, me. And then I feel really good. <laughs> <laughs> the plow was beautiful up into a point. And it was necessary up into a point. Because it proved to God that his plan for Elisha's life would be prosperous. And it was. But then there's a time when God wants to call us beyond the plow. Thank you, Jesus. He says, You've, you plowed long enough, dude. You did it. You're good at it. You're successful at it. You were faithful to it. But that that's over. I, I got something better. I got a new mantle that you're going to walk with me, not with oxen, with me. And I do believe that some of you guys out there, this is for you today. God is saying, hey, I'm calling you to a new realm. I'm calling you to another level of independence with me. I'm calling you to something uncomfortable. I'm calling you to something that's going to cause you to want to go back. And yet the call is never less, is not less potent. I'm calling you forward. So leave the plow because the plow could become a problem. I wrote in my notes as I was praying over this, I wrote really bold, the problem plow. (laughs) That's that's what I put. The problem plow. Everything has a P with it today. The problem plow. I remember there was a time where I just, ministry, I mean it just, just beat the crap out of me <laughs> I love it and I, I really can't do anything else or I would have <laughs> just my dad always says if you could do something else do it and that's exactly right he's exactly right because it's hard and I remember there was a day where I had an option I had that option to do something else and um, I remember praying through like God <laughs> God question mark What do you want me to do? And the Lord said, seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Get rid of that. Get rid of those other options. Yes. Would they be easier for you? Yeah. For a time. And then you would miss what I'm calling you to do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you're wanting will be added unto you. Plus more. When God is calling us to a new level or to a new calling or whatever that is, and we keep the plow in our minds as a plan B, don't be surprised when the enemy comes in and tempts you to de-level yourself and go back to the plow. Because the mantle is so hard. The plow means comfort. And God never asked us to live by comfort. He never asked us to live comfortably. Did he? Tell me. Thou shalt be comfortable. Really? Well, I don't think Jesus was comfortable on the cross. He asked us to live by faith. Because faith. It is impossible to please him without faith. I just can sense, just because I just can sense the Spirit of God tugging on hearts out there today. I can sense it. I'm going to make a bold statement here. There is a woman sitting in her car with a white, I think it's a sweater shirt, a sweater shirt on. I'm not trying to be weird. But this is for you. You're in your car. You have a white sweater shirt on. And this is for you. You know God's calling you out. I even, I feel like the Lord is saying, tell her it's got ruffles on it. (laughs) A white sweater shirt with ruffles on it. I see ruffles. You are, look down at your shirt, see if that's it. (laughs) But you are in this tension because the mantle ahead of you looks so challenging and the plow is so inviting. This is for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The problem plow. I'm almost done. The plow will never achieve for you what the promise of the mantle does. The plow will never achieve for you what the promise of the mantle does. Elijah was successful, but he was only successful by the culture that he was living in. God wanted to make him legendary. And I think sometimes we... We don't realize that when we say no to God's plan A in our life and we have a comfort plow and we go back to the plow, we don't realize, you guys, what God could have done with plan A. When Elijah was left, Elisha was given a double portion of Elijah's power, a double portion. Know the fire that rained down from heaven? That was Elijah. Elisha had a double portion of it. Why? Because he burned the plow. No longer, no longer am I going to have a plan B because your plow will never achieve for you what the promise of the mantle will. You might be successful at the plow, but let me tell you something. The things, all these things, when I say all these things will be added unto you because I've never gone back to like a plan B ever. I've always just done ministry, even though it was hard. God's always provided. I've always had opportunity. I've always been moving forward. Some years are hard and some years are like we're like the harvest is plentiful <laughs> it's everywhere. But there is nothing like when someone The other day I was at Nordstrom's in the bathroom and a woman came up to me and she was like, are you out of miles? And I said, yes. And she started telling me in the bathroom how our podcast had changed her life. Someone the other day recognized Moses, saw that I was with him, came up to me and said, you have no idea how this changed my life. We get these stories all the time. And if I went back to the plow when I felt like it was hard, we would not be able to change people's lives the way that we do. The plow is not worth it. I want the double portion of Elijah. That's what I want. So if that's you today and you're thinking, you know, here I am married. And I know that God wants me to stay married. But I also know plan B. I got a divorce over here. If he doesn't straighten up, if he doesn't do whatever, if she doesn't do whatever, I got this plan B. It's time to burn that plow and focus on that plan A. I know God's calling me into this line of work. But over here, I'm so good. I'm so comfortable. I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you say no to when you say no to God. He's so gracious. He'll never tell you. But when you say yes, and you walk a few years in that yes, as hard as it is, you're so thankful that you said yes. Trust me. Trust your auntie over here. I feel like there's a great tension. I can feel it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Lord, I just, I pray for my friends out there today that are struggling with that tension. I know what you're asking me to do, but God, and I'll do it, but I'm also going to keep my plan B. I know you're asking me to grow and I'd really do want to grow, but I'd really like to have a cushion. If not, I know you want me to get rid of this addiction or this problem or this sin, but I'd really like a soft place if I can't follow God's where he's placed the mantle and I'd be glad you did. Lord, we just pray for, we pray for that person. I pray for clarity, clarity. I pray for your spirit to just speak to the hearts of those that are like, kind of don't know what to do. Are scared of moving forward or scared of going back. <laughs> they don't, They're confused. May Elisha encourage them. May your word encourage them. May your word comfort their fear, calm their anxiety. May your spirit bring peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love you. I got a couple things to share with you after the break, um, but I hope that encouraged you today. I'll see you right after the break for our last segment.
2: Every day, a new day,
1: yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the Word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts.
0: Hey guys, it's Autumn and I want to know family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know. My team wants to know. And your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at Audemars.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching Miles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith.
2: Every day.
1: A new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X-Y-Z-A, yeah.
0: Okay, guys, we're back with a question. Man, I love this question. (laughs) It says this. I have a friend who is a Christian. In fact, her husband is on staff at a church but she is so negative (laughs) no matter what I say she comes back with something negative to say not gossip just negative she's kind of hard to be around but at the same time is a big part of my friend group how do you deal with super negative Christian friends who just simply seem to lack joy well This is a really good question. I would, let me put myself in in your shoes here for a second. If there is someone that is just always negative and they can never think of anything positive to say, you know, a negative, if you start thinking even a little bit negatively, and you, you can even in your own life see if you get up and you have a bad day, it kind of affects the rest of your day unless you grab hold of your thoughts. And sometimes, people that have gone through like a rough patch or a rough season or whatever, that starts to dictate their entire mindset of how they live. And Satan really gets in there and really brings on a depression or a negativity over that person's life that they need to be delivered from. But this is what I would do. If you have found her to be consistently negative. As a friend A true friend, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, the wounds of a friend. This is what I would do. I would set up a coffee or invite her over. And I would I would say, you know, we're friends, right? Yeah, we're friends. We're besties for the resty. And I would say, I've just noticed something about you we have, we have the Lord, we have all this stuff. You have so much going on in your life. You've, you know, you got beautiful kids, blah, 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 do whatever, whatever you feel led to do. But then I would gently confront her. I've noticed something. You kind of always tend to, you know, say something a little down. Is everything okay? Sometimes it's easy to look at someone that has a negative tongue and judge them or, you know, have a, just a a negative outlook about them and really what they need. Maybe they need to process through something with you. I would start there. And there has been many times personally in my life where I have had friends, just had a conversation this summer where I have such a dear friend and there was something that was bothering me. And I just said, listen, we just have a really awkward conversation. And they were like, yeah, let's have an awkward conversation. (laughs) And then we had the awkward conversation and it was beautiful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. She might not even know she is negative. She might not even understand that. She might not even know she uh, struggles with joy. Maybe she thinks she's joyful. I don't know. But you as a friend, bringing that to her awareness is a true friend rather than letting everyone look at her and think, wow, she's a really negative person. Maybe you can be the change agent that God uses in her life in a loving way. The Bible says speak the truth in love. I've had lots of these conversations with my friends over the years and 99.9% of them have turned out amazing. So I would lovingly confront her. Okay testimony. My husband recently was laid off unexpectedly and in a disrespectful way. I'm so sorry. He had been with the company for a really long time and I found myself in the middle of a perfect storm of anger, hurt, frustration, confusion, stress, and worry. We've all been there. I happened to be on the calendar to lead worship at my church and I debated canceling because I just was in a bad place spiritually. I said to my husband, I just didn't know where to go or what to do. I audibly heard the voice of the Lord say, come to me. Yes, girl. I knew in my heart, I just needed the Lord's presence. I led worship that weekend and the presence of God was so powerful. I completely forgot in that moment about all the things that had been constantly on my mind. I walked in the doors of the church, a ball of stress and worry, and I left, having left behind my worry and giving God the weight of all my thoughts. Our heavenly Father is there for me when I don't know where to go, and His presence is always just waiting for on us to join Him. His presence was what I needed. And His house, the church, is where I needed to go. Uh, when Amanda read this to me this morning, in our production meeting, I laughed out loud because of this reason. I was worshiping yesterday, frustrated, and the Lord said to me, I want you to worship at it. And I don't think he's ever said that to me before. Autumn, I want you to worship at it. Worship at that thing that is driving you crazy right now. Worship at it. Worship at it like a war cry. Worship right at that thing. And I did. And by the time I was like singing real loud, poor people in front of me. I'm not a very good singer. All of a sudden I felt (sighs) the wind of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what this testimony is all about. When we get into his presence, when we worship, the Bible says the, uh, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. When we sit in his presence, when we use worship as our weapon to fight what we're facing, Sometimes it doesn't change it, but it changes us because we've seen the sweetness of God himself. So I love that testimony. Send me some more testimonies. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. I hope you love this. I really loved it today. I was really feeling it today. You know, if that was you, I want to hear about it today. I want you guys to email us, send us a message, comment on our promos and, you know, just do all the things because I would love to hear if this message resonated with you and also share it with a friend, okay? We love you guys so much. I'll see you next week right here on the Autumn Miles Show. Have an amazing, amazing day. I'll see you soon.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series, We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide, and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.